Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. You could head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use promo code Believe fifty. That's B L E A V five zero to receive fifty percent to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit, and that'll be great for this upcoming Rutgers game if you're out of state. Uh, and that's Bet Online where the game starts. All right, everybody. I uh, appreciate you all coming in here on a a holiday evening. Um, Obviously, this weekend was an awesome weekend to be a Rutgers fan. Uh, 22-21 to 21 win in Chestnut Hill versus the Golden Eagles of Boston College. Uh, said this earlier, but obviously we had a big news item break this evening with Taj Harris announcing he's leaving. He's taking a temporary leave of absence for the program. Um, we will definitely get into that. I did have a bit of a, a not a monologue, but I, I rewatched the game this afternoon and kind of wrote down my thoughts about the, the high-level items I thought really stood out to me. So I'll start with that. Anybody who'd like to speak at any point, there is a button in the bottom left to request to speak. Um, Craig is also a host here. Uh, Craig, you're muted right now, but uh, yep. if you want to pop in at any point and say anything, Chris, I also invited you to be a host if you want to accept that. Uh, anybody who comes in midway through, I guess this isn't really pertinent to people who are in here already, but this is also going to be released tomorrow as a, an episode of the podcast. So uh, you'll be able to hear yourself speak again if you want to. Um, <laughs> but here, here are some things that really stuck out to me. Um, there was just an aggressive look of the defense under Harris Simiak. So last year, obviously, we had to deal with just the total vanilla garbage play calling of Rob Smith. <laughs> and immediately, Harris Simiak set the tone of what he wants this defense to be and probably what Chiana wants this defense to be. He had that corner blitz on the first defensive player of the game with Robert Longerbeam. He got a strip sack. Rutgers could have had an early takeaway in the game. Uh, I'm sure 99 out of 100 times, Tyreen Powell comes up with that ball, but I guarantee he's never going to let that happen. Or maybe he will let it happen again, but he's going to make that a very uh, important point of emphasis for himself going forward because he's a very talented player. Um, Rutgers was able to generate a ton of pressure against uh, Phil Jerkovic and the Boston College running game. Four sacks, tons of pressure. Only uh, 29 rushing yards on 28 carries. That was a 1,000-yard running back a season ago, and we just bottled them up. And they really were stifled, and it got worse as the game kind of moved on. And that was really just really highlighted in the last drive when we were able to get two sacks on second and third down to really just close out that game. Uh, I think we also – another high-level point, I think we need to kind of recalibrate our expectations for this season. Um, This is always a very important game to possibly be – uh, bowl eligible this season for Rutgers and it really just kept our bowl hopes alive and also a lot of our opponents coming up really looked poor in their first game or their first two games if we're talking about Nebraska 
I would obviously didn't score a touchdown yesterday or on Saturday. They won a seven, three game uh, somehow without scoring a touchdown. They got two safeties <laughs> and a field goal against uh, FCS South Dakota state. Uh, obviously we're not going to beat Ohio state, but Nebraska struggled. And then we have Indiana as, as well. This season, we legitimately could start six and one. And I know that's a bit of a, a stretch. We need to kind of win all our 50, 50 games in the lead up to that. But it's a very, it's a, it's a likely, not a likely scenario. It's a possible scenario for this season. And who would have thought that Rutgers could possibly be bowl eligible midway through the season? I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but it, it looks plausible given how the team played and how our opponents played the first few games of the season. Uh, I thought the trench warfare, we just dominated it on both the sides of the ball. Uh, I was kind of harping that all week that I thought this game would be won in the trenches and that was dead on. Uh, so Rutgers dominated Boston College up front. Uh, Rutgers offensive line looked like a formidable Big Ten offensive line. And Boston College, another thing we were harping on is they had a very undersized front seven and it really showed. We were able to just kind of toss them around, rush for five yards a carry on 42 carries in the game. Just who would have thought Rutgers would have such a dominant running game against a, a power five opponent this season. And also Rutgers defensive line, the whole rotation of the, of the defensive line, they were getting pressure regardless of who was in Wesley Bailey, who a lot of us picked as a breakout player this year had a phenomenal uh, first game as a starter. I think he, he was credited with one and a half sacks, I believe, but that last drive, he just, he was making money on those money downs just in the late in the fourth quarter, especially um, I kind of touched on the running game again, but everybody seemingly who touched the ball on the ground for Rutgers was getting chunk yardage, whether it be Kyle Manungai or Alshadi Slum on that last uh, series of the game. We obviously saw Gavin Wimsett rip that 48-yard run, and I think all of us were just giddy in our seats watching that one, <laughs> kind of understanding that Gavin has the physical traits of a true dual threat that we kind of haven't ever had at Rutgers. Um, but also this game wasn't without its struggles. I think Rutgers <laughs> – we thought they'd be pretty disciplined under Shiano in this first game. Really, <laughs> we kind of shot ourselves in the foot a lot. We had 10 penalties for 76 yards, including seven in the first half. So to their credit, they did clean it up a little in the second half. Uh, but it was kind of <laughs> nothing really indicated how uh, shaky Rutgers looked penalty-wise. Uh, midway through the first quarter, we had the ball second and goal from the eight, and we turned it into a fourth and goal from the 43 of Boston College. I don't think I've ever seen a I, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't think I can remember a punt in fourth and goal uh, as a Rutgers fan before. Passing game obviously struggled. Uh, it's not like they performed particularly poorly, but they were the two quarterbacks were combined 13 for 22 for 110 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. That's definitely something I'm hoping the next two games we really clean up and can become a strength as we move uh, through the season. Third down conversions on both sides of the ball, we kind of gotten killed on. Uh, so until that last uh, drive by Boston College, they were 7-14 of 14 on third downs. And two of uh, Boston College's touchdowns were on third and long. Uh, on offense, Rutgers is only one of 10 on their first 10 third down conversions. Uh, their, their last drive, to their credit, they went 3-for-3 three three on that 12-play 96-yard touchdown drive. So they obviously I – think, I think that's another thing we can really point to in the positive column is – Rutgers coaching really uh, changed the game plan as the game went on to, to really put ourselves in the best position to possibly win. And then I wrote this before the Taj Harris announcement came, but I really thought that uh, two of our best skill position players really didn't show up yesterday or on Saturday uh, between Max Milton and Taj Harris. 
Uh, Max definitely didn't have his best game. He, he gave up two of the, the three Boston College touchdowns. And we really need him to step up and be that shutdown corner uh, on this defense this year. And Tosh Harris obviously only played 11 snaps. Uh, tough to kind of speculate what happened. It sounds like from a few people that there was some kind of uh, dust up on the sideline but him, between him and Shiano. Him and Shiano had a long conversation on the sideline in the, in the first half. And Taj apparently threw some equipment down. I think he threw his helmet down. Uh, so, and then obviously he announced tonight that he was stepping away. Now I know that was a big dump of information, Craig. Uh, sorry for kind of talking your off. Everyone else, kind of sorry for talking your off. But I, I, I rewatched the game today, and I just wanted to get all that out there. Anything that you noticed that we didn't talk about before we bring some people on here, Craig? No, I mean I think you covered it well. Good night, everybody. No, I'm just I'm just messing. With you, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I guess we might as well start with the big news today: the Taj Harris thing. I mean. As far as I know, it's, it's like like well, I read what everybody else read, where it looks like it's just a personal matter and that he's going to take some time off. And if that's the case, I really wish him nothing but the but the best. I hope he's I hope everything he gets everything in order. And really, like I said, wish him nothing but the best. I mean, I know a lot of people are going to jump to conclusions because that's kind of what I guess what we do is that you know kind of had a uh, underwhelming first uh, first game. Like you said, didn't have a lot of targets, didn't, and it sounds like he got beat out during the training camp. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, crucify anybody for thinking that maybe this could be something, uh, a little something here going on. I, but like I said, I have no idea. I'm just gonna go off of like what he said. It's a personal matter, and if that's the case, I wish him nothing but the best, and hope to see him again soon because he is a talented receiver. And uh, yeah, like I said, I really hope to see him again soon. And this is. To be honest, I mean, the next two weeks, Rutgers, Rutgers probably wouldn't necessarily need him, hopefully, to beat, you know, Wagner or uh, or Temple. And so, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my whole thing about Taj Harris. And, uh, yeah, I guess we can start talking about a, a little bit about the game. Uh, I think I, t- I talked about, like, Chris, where, you know, it was kind of like a real – Rutgers did look like it was kind of an old-fashioned Big Ten win. They really – the first half was definitely sloppy. A lot of, a lot, definitely a lot of uh, penalties. At I think it was seven in the first half, and some were declined. So it was like it was really sloppy in the beginning. But second half came, and you know they really kicked it up a notch. With the offensive line was tremendous in the run game. Like we talked about, how they over over rushed outrushed them by almost two hundred yards. And like anytime nope. that happens, anytime that happens in a game, like the, the you're not gonna you know the team that gets outrushed like that isn't gonna win. And they lost the turnover battle three to one. So right there, I mean, the fact—it's almost like the fact that the game—the fact that the game was twenty-two to twenty-one—is almost a little bit of a surprise. Shows you how kind of how sloppy Rutgers was in that first half, but they kicked it up in the second half, and they really earned the win. I mean, that ninety-six-yard drive. I mean, that's that. Like I told, like I said in the, with Chris, if that's if they have end up having a uh, a season that surpasses expectations, that'll be the moment where we look back and say that's where things really got started. Absolutely. And this is the kind of game that like every football coach kind of like wets their pants of like a team winning this way, because it's a team, it's a game where we were down most of the game. We didn't give up. We were able to score that late touchdown to take the lead. And it was done in like a way that was kind of going with the philosophy of what the coach wants to do. Like Shiano's big thing is this, the chop where you just focus on your job for four quarters for 60 minutes and if you do your job every play, th- good things usually happen. And that's kind of the cases to what happened 
on Saturday. It was just Rutgers didn't give up, and this could be a game that kind of galvanized them as they're a young team. But yeah, we've shown we can go into, and I wouldn't call Boston College a hostile environment, but you went on a on the road opening day against a Power Five opponent, and you won by just doing your job and continuing to keep hope. You didn't give up. You didn't get pouty. None of the quarterbacks were on the sideline pouting that they were only playing X amount of snaps. They both, they both did their job when they, they got their number called, they stepped up. Um, but we have one request uh, from Hone Zone, but anybody else who wants to speak, feel free to hit the request button. You'll be put into the queue and we'll get to you guys as they come up. But uh, there's also a little bit of delay when you get brought on. So just be aware of that. Uh, Hone Zone, what do you think of uh, Rutgers this past weekend? Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Yeah, I, 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 I was at the game, had a great time, but I'm just, I, I can't get over the fact that I'm just so fascinated by the end game situation by both Boston College and Rutgers with Jeff Halfley using his second time out to send the punt unit out a second time. And then Rutgers actually fielding, fielding that punt. Both decisions made no sense to me. BC was better off going for it then letting Rutgers score to go up eight, then having two minutes left and uh, plenty of time to tie the game. And then Rutgers fielding the punt does absolutely nothing for you. you. You don't have anyone back there. Let the ball bounce for 10 to 15 seconds. And then the, the, with the way the time was, the, the time would have run out. Rutgers wouldn't even had to, to punt the ball at the end. So I just want to hear you guys' thoughts on Halfley at the end of the game and, and Shiano at the end of the game there. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, Shiano's in-game coaching wasn't his strong suit his first time around. I think we all thought it'd be better the second time around. I, I think it has gotten better uh, because he's not, you know, making one of these two or three boneheaded play decisions each game. But I think sometimes when, like, the bullets are flying, it's just – it's you kind of get, like – I wouldn't say shell-shocked, but it's, it's, it's just a, a high-pressure moment. And sometimes, I guess – Coaches kind of make mistakes just like everybody else, but you'd expect more out of a guy like Shiano, at least, who's been a coach for as long well, as Well, what I don't know, it's not like a Shiano thing, but like these college football staffs, they have, what, 50 coaches on the sidelines? You'd think there'd yeah. be <laughs> one person out of the 50, and I might be under underselling, there might be more coaches than 50, but you think there would be one person on a staff just like analytics, uh, understanding time and distance and – you know, like, I'm not a football coach, never played football, but, like, to me, that was pretty obvious. Like, I don't know. I, ju- I just thought both coaches kind of kind of, melt, uh, kind of melted in the moment there a little bit. Yeah, the Halfley, the Halfley thing kind of felt like, you know, first game, kind of unsure of yourself. You see, kind of see that from every once in a while. So that was definitely not not what you want, uh, waste, kind of just wasting a timeout that they ended up needing at the end there. So that was, yeah. That was bad job coaching, and yeah, I compl- I actually I completely agree with the Shiano thing. I don't know, I wasn't sure why Crookshank was back there uh, fielding the punt either. To be honest, like the, like the the worst thing that can happen is Crookshank fumbles it. I mean, it doesn't you, typically happen with him. I don't even know. I can't even think of a time he fumbled the punt. But you know, there's always there's always going to be a first time, right? So it's like I don't really don't know why he was back there taking fielding that punt because I mean. The only thing, like he, okay, so he fair catches it, and no, no time comes off. That's that's the good news. And the bad news is he f- fumbles it, and then all of a sudden Boston College has a chance to win the game. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that either. No, no, no. But you don't want him to catch it because yeah. every second counted. Yeah, yeah. So the, yep. the play as was dead. Like every second counted. You didn't want Rutgers to R- Rutgers like did not want to 
send out Corsak there. You wanted the Rutgers to end it with with victory formation. And because of that, they couldn't do that. They had to run plays and uh, risk fumbles, uh, you know. Just, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to – I'm struggling on if Halfley not going for it. I understand it was fourth and 25. But even if you miss that, Rutgers takes over the – gets the ball at the 10. They go up, kick a field goal or go up eight, and BC has – uh, still alive with better field position. I, just, I, I, I totally agree, man. I, I can't mm. speculate as to what was going on in their minds. I think when you look at some NFL staffs, for example, I know Sean McVay has literally, I, I'm sure you've seen it, a guy who literally just holds him back on the sideline to make sure he doesn't <laughs> go on the field and get a penalty. I think it's all about how much you're willing to put on people's plates and trust people with. And so who knows, like you should have a guy who's in your ear saying like, this is the situation for this. There should be a go-to guy for every situation, at least in terms of like secondary receivers, special teams, et cetera. I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't really explain it because it was a pretty, pretty awful <laughs> coaching mistake on both sides, very late in the game that either team could have won even to the final seconds. So yeah, uh, big mistake on both sides. Good thing it worked out for us. That's all I can say. Cause that would be a highly scrutinized move if that ended up being a huge, uh, you know, turn in the game in uh, going against Rutgers. Um, but thanks for that, Hone. Uh, we're gonna All right, get thanks, Greg guys. On now. Yeah, no problem, dude. Uh, Greg, what's going hey. on? Hey, Greg. Yeah, um, I'm just asking. Great win on uh, Saturday. Us beating them by one point after us going down fourteen to six and then beating them sixteen to seven or whatever at the uh, in the second half, which is nice and very awesome. I'm just a little bit worried about the quarterbacks' confidence with this whole charade of rotating quarterbacks. When do you see the quarterbacks not being rotated and they go into Wimsat because he looks like the real deal? And that Simon kid, I don't know. It. Uh, I want to know what you guys think. So yeah. I think it's I think it's a tough question because I don't I like I like to think that Shiano is very he does a lot of gamesmanship stuff. I do think he's being fairly honest with I, I just don't think anyone has truly separated themselves as the the go to starter. So I think they're gonna keep going with this QB situation at least in the next two games because you can afford to have a few mistakes against Wagner and against Temple because they're both awful. Like Wagner's on a 21 game losing streak yeah. and is an FCS team. It wouldn't surprise me. I know people have speculated that there might be like some kind of Jim Harbaugh type setup oh, in the next okay. couple games where either one guy starts the game or one guy plays the whole game or whatever. I do think that's smart though, because these guys need game reps. They're both young, both haven't yeah. really played a whole lot and they're going to make mistakes and that's yeah. okay. As long as they don't cost you the game. And as long as you're not repeating the same mistakes over and over. But like I have another fourth- Go for it. I, I have another question. But when it comes to the Iowa game three weeks from now, um, do you think they're still going to be doing this? Or is it going to be like the one guy who's shown the best um, qualities out of the Temple game and the Wagner game? So I think that's a great question. I don't think we know. I think it'd be purely speculation on our part because who knows how long Noah's going to be out for. That injury, just oh, the quote-unquote upper body injury. I think if Noah's healthy, he's probably the starter because Noah – while I don't think he gives us the ceiling of nope, either Evan not. Simon or Gavin Wimsat, I think he is much less likely to make mistakes in big-time games. You need a guy who's not going to make mistakes because Iowa, quite frankly, look like total dog shit on offense <laughs> this past weekend. They look like a great defense, but 
when you're playing a game at home, if we're 3-0 going into that game, SHI Stadium is going to be rocking. Yeah. So they're going to want to put the best guy to allow them to win, which, I, again, is what Shiano said in the press conference both yesterday and today, that he's going to put the best guy to win the game, to, to give us a chance to win the game out there for Rutgers. Craig, what do you think? You, you kind of see more of them in practice than I do. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that um, I kind of think at some point, when some, eventually somebody's going to separate themselves from this pack. And I have a feeling that's when you're going to – I don't think the I – mean, they're going to get it somewhat of a roulette, but at some point it's going to be much – I think I think it's going to be much less if Wemzat or, or Simon separate themselves from the pack, then they're going to get a majority of the snaps, I think, at some point. Kind of like last season where Noah got a majority of the snaps. It was and then, But you did see Gavin have some packages. So it was like, I don't even know, we're going to say like 95% Noah, 5% Wemzat, whatever, whatever percentage you want to give it. But I do think at some point – when somebody separates themselves, they will get a majority of the snaps. But to be honest, just going back to that game, I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't a big fan of the way they were kind of mixing and matching every every once in a while. Yeah, every once in a while. Because to me, there wasn't much of a flow, and I didn't I didn't like it because it did, there didn't seem to be much of a rhyme or reason why, to me at least. I mean, I felt yeah, like, I felt I agree like with that. Cause there was one point where before halftime, Rutgers had a good chance to go into the half with some points, as long as they kind of played it safe, maybe get into field goal range and, you know, come away with some points before halftime. And I was like, okay, maybe they'll throw Simon out there because he seems like more of this kind of safer kind of quarterback, kind of like a, I, I kind of think he kind of plays a little bit like a mini Noah where he kind of takes the safe, kind of the safer route. So I was thinking, okay, throw out Simon for before halftime, try and get a field goal. But no, they, the Wimsat was the one taking it and they yes. didn't really end up getting anything. And so that was kind of a waste to me. And then at the end of the game, when Rutgers is going for the first down, you, like everybody and their mother knew that Rutgers was going to do nothing but run the ball. So to me, it's like, okay, put Gavin out there. They can run those options where either they hand it off to Manungai, Salam, or Gavin runs it because we saw Gavin has tremendous wheels. But no, they threw out Simon. And I was just like, huh, that that's just doesn't – that just I just don't get kind of what – I don't get it. So It reminded <laughs> me of a baseball bullpen. Like who's the better – who's the hot hand at pitcher or whatever. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, eventually it's, during the game, it did seem like they kind of went back and forth between drives. Yeah. So that there was a little bit more of a clear picture there. But uh, honestly, uh, I think I would have preferred. I think I'd prefer kind of the Harbaugh approach, where you start this week, you start the next week, and then we'll see how you do. That way, the guy isn't looking over their shoulder after every play, and maybe you can get more of a flow into the offense. But I mean. The next two weeks are, like I said, are going to be against Wagner and Temple. Both games Rutgers should win. So hopefully by then we'll we'll have an they'll have an idea an idea of like who the, who the starting quarterback is going to be going who the main starting quarterback I guess going forward is going to be. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys, for answering my questions. I appreciate it. You guys do a good job, and I'll keep listening. No problem. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. All right, next up we got uh, KYK, the, uh, one of the most uh, famous <laughs> or infamous uh, posters on the boards and on Twitter. Uh, what's going on, KYK? I should say Kyle, in your name. Hey, can yeah, you I us? can hear you guys now. Thanks for having me. So yeah, the up? question I really have is that I know a lot of people have this, um, this thought that it would be like short-sighted not to just rip the Band-Aid off and kind of roll with Wimsat right from the jump. But um, if you really look into it, you know, Evan's got 
you know, three years left. Wimsat has four years left. So the way I see it really is that if Evan's a guy and he has made itself, you know, and I'm not saying it's been made clear already, but um, if he does, you know, really establish himself as the guy, as the guy who can kind of, you know, he's Wimsat just slightly slower. Um, I don't see what would be the downfall of really going with him. Now, I know from a recruiting perspective, you say to yourself, well, you know, you brought in this highly regarded quarterback and then, you know, if he doesn't work out and another kid beats him out, well, if another kid beats him out, beats him out. You know, Evan Simon wasn't, you know, a complete like bum of a recruit or anything like that. And, um, you know, he went eight for 12. If you look at it, actually went eight for 12. And of his four incompletions, one was the first drive. Johnny, the ball went off his hands for a first down. Um, one of them was the one that was ruled a fumble when he got drilled. And then it was, you know, overturned to be an inc- complete pass and the third incompletion he threw through a beautiful fade on the money to sean ryan which would have been a touchdown had he not bobbled it so i mean evan he was yep, super that was comfortable. in the back left corner right yeah yeah he was super comfortable in the pocket he kind of felt the rush very well the only times he really got hit um the, the one time he got hit kmar missouri was in at left tackle and no Oof. Yeah, he was pretty bad uh, not no excuse me evan got the ball on the snap he got the ball on the snap. He literally took one step to his right and was throwing a quick. Before that ball could even get out of his hand, he got hit. It was as if, you know, Cameron Missouri didn't actually lay a single hand on the kid. So it's, uh, I don't know. I, I really like him. And and I think he showed a little bit. Yeah, he doesn't have the same exact wheels that Wimsett has, but he's not a statue either. Um, he's a kid who ran like somewhere between like a, you know, I think around like a 4740, which again, he's not a blazer, but he's he's not slow. You know, he's 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 a good athlete. So I don't really see what the drawback would be if he's the guy who kind of establishes himself. I totally agree. I don't think recruiting wise, it hurts either way. If, if one of the quarterbacks clearly is the cream of the crop, you, you go with him and you just start him. Because if it's if it's Wimsat, you could say, hey, these highly rated guys came to Rutgers. We, you know, got him in early. We developed them. And now he's a star quarterback. Same thing could be said for Evan Simon. You could say. He was an underrated guy. We kind of plucked him out of nowhere. We developed him, and now he's one of the best big quarterbacks in the Big Ten. And obviously, I'm kind of being optimistic on both these guys here. But, I mean, I think it's it's big boy football at this point. If there's a clear, better guy, I don't think Shiano's afraid to start that guy. I just I, – I legitimately think that none of those guys really look seasoned enough in any of the training camp and any of the spring practice to really put a sticker on him and say, this guy is good enough to be the starter, and I trust him to be the starter going forward. That's my I, Yeah, I totally agree. And it's one of those things where, you know, you look back, Tom Savage was a freshman All-American and Chase Dodd comes in as a two-star recruit and Shiano had no problem saying, you know what, screw it. I like this kid. I'm going to put in Chase Dodd. And he benched a freshman All-American. So I, I don't think that, you know, Gavin is above that. I don't think he's above and, you know, just kind of untouchable like a lot of people, you know, want to pretend. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not like ripping Gavin or anything like that. Again, it's, you know, really basically it's not his true freshman year, but he should have been in high school last year and he's his first training camp and everything like that. So he's he's green. But um, I, I really did like what I saw out of out of Evan Simon. And, you know, we all know that if there's one thing Shiano does not like, it's turning the ball over. Um, yep. And again, it it was a stupid pick and it was, you know, even dumber to hit the, you know, guy out of bounds and thank God that didn't turn into yeah. points. He compounded uh, that mistake there for sure. I, I'm shocked that they didn't score. Cause they got after the penalty, they were on like the Rutgers 25 with like a minute and a half left in the first half. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then on, on Gavin's long run, it wasn't a fumble, but the ball was a little loose. And when he went down, the ball did come out again, 
granted his knee was down, so that's not a fumble, but the ball was loose. And if, if, if you're going to fumble, if you're going to throw picks, that, that's a good way to kind of, you know, get Chiano, you know, off, off of, you know, you, I think, as a quarterback in his system. Yeah, absolutely. I think both guys definitely flashed at points. Gavin more so with his legs than, than uh, Simon with his arm. But it's I don't envy their position because they don't have an established guy and they really need to figure that out, especially if Noah's injury is worse than they're kind of letting on. They need to figure out in the next two games. Yeah, hopefully we see that. Hopefully we see kind of what Harbaugh is doing. It would be great to see that, you know, where Evan gets one game and, and Gavin gets one game and then let's see what happens and whoever's the best guy, you know, just he's the main guy going forward. And again, they'll still have packages with, you know, both. But um, I think it's important that you do establish one main guy. And thank you guys for doing this. I'm going to go back on mute here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thanks for calling in. Um, next up, we got Morosi. Morosi, what's going on? Hey, can you hear us, Morosi? Yeah, I can hear you. How you doing? Thanks for taking the. Uh, I'm pretty good. How I'm you great. Doing? I, I thanks for taking the call. I just want to say you guys do a great job. Appreciate you know all the content you put out. Uh, I want to talk about the offensive line. I uh, have been screaming to the clouds for years now, seven years, and we finally seem to have an offensive line, big offensive line. <laughs> um, so. I wanted your take on who you thought impressed you the most. Um, I thought DiRenzo actually really played a great game. There was the play right before the touchdown where Al uh, got like 20 yards running to the right. And he DiRenzo pulled and he basically took out two guys. But the first guy was such a finesse play where he just – almost baby tapped him. I'm oversimplifying it, but like just popped him on the chest. The guy kind of just moved out of the way and he proceeded down to take out the next guy. So I just wanted your take on who you thought, you know, impressed you the most in that game in camp. I mean, I thought the other guys played pretty well. Tyler, you know, had some ups and downs, it seemed like, but he had a couple pancakes, but just wanted to say, thank God we have an offensive line. Now it seems <laughs> so we can actually win some games. I mean, since Flood was the yeah. coach, you know, Brian Kelly after the Notre Dame game is telling him, hey, man, you got to get your lines better here. And we just didn't do anything. So thank God I'll turn the mic back over to you. But I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. <laughs> I think we can beat Iowa. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We got to we, we better not have a New Hampshire situation with this Wagner game now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that one happening just because Wagner is so bad. Um, Craig, I'll take one guy that impressed me. You could take one that impressed you as well. Sure. I, I think Ireland Brown really impressed me. Like he was a guy who switched over from defensive line midway through last season after he transferred from Boston college to Rutgers switched to center this off season. And he really looked comfortable as a center. Like he had that one snap, I think that was kind of shaky, but after that, he just really was opening a ton of holes up the middle. There's one uh, on the, um, on the Crookshank uh, end around, he had that huge pancake in the middle of the field. Um, and Willie Tyler also had a, a good block downfield in that play as well. Um, but I just think that basically everybody outside of left tackle, they had a pretty good game overall. Like Giovanni was surprising, but uh, Craig, you tell you, uh, who do you think was the most impressive? Uh, maybe this is a little bit of a cop out, but I'll just say that when you outrush a team 200, I think 212 to 29, I think you all kind of impressed me in that. At least in the run game, uh, Rutgers, I think, was tremendous in the run game. I think 
the past game wasn't as great. I mean, it was a little iffy there for a while. I mean, we talked about the Ga- we were talking about the Gavin interception, but what kind of led to that before that was Gavin got took a big sack and there was he had absolutely no time to throw the ball. So to me, Rutgers, their offensive line does have to work a little bit more on its pass protection. But I mean, like I said, run, running wise, I mean that that was a, that was about as impressive of a performance from a running offensive line running standpoint as I can remember from Rutgers and maybe ever. So all those guys really for some <laughs> If you want, if you want one guy, I'll give you a, uh, J, I'll give you a Dorenzo. But I mean, from a running game standpoint, man, ninety six yards in five minutes to win the game, two twelve to twenty nine. I mean. Sh- they really, they really did a good job in the run game, but there is, there is work to be done in the passing game. Pat Absolutely, yeah. That's like a hashtag football guy way to win the game that last drive. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to say one last thing to that BC Homer guy you had on. You know, oh, do man. some research, please. <laughs> you know, and you know, like give some credit too. Like be a professional, sir. Um, you know that AJ I, Black guy or whatever. I mean, he's. It, I get it. You got to represent your team, but do some research. And actually just own the loss. You guys didn't lose the game. You know, you got beat. And that's it. So I hope you're listening to this because you got beat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So he was a pretty nice guy. But I agree that some of the takes he had were just awful. Um, Just between, like, we did a ton of research leading up to this game, especially on the BC offensive line. Like, they lost, like, a combined 200 starts from that offensive line from last year. Four of those guys in the NFL. Christian Mahogany would have probably been a – at worst, the third-round pick last year if he was draft eligible. That offensive line got decimated. Uh, they also replaced them with guys who basically were either redshirt freshmen or were terrible last year. And they lost their offensive line coach to the Dolphins, uh, who Mike McDaniel is known to be a pretty pretty great <laughs> offensive line. I don't think he'd hire a complete fucking idiot at an <laughs> offensive line coach. But uh, they replaced him with, like, a, a Patriots retread and – it didn't look great, obviously. Uh, and then they come after the game and say, these guys haven't really played together. They just need game experience. They need to gel. And it's like, yeah, no shit. That's like, <laughs> that was the, the thesis of the argument all offseason is that your whole line is getting replaced and hasn't played before. So, yeah. Uh, didn't agree with some of their takes. They had the one mod who said that they were going to win 45 to 17. I haven't really heard him chirp since uh, the game ended. So, yeah, we'll see how they – then they play on the road at Virginia Tech this upcoming weekend. So, I want them to win most of their remaining games, obviously, because it makes our win versus them look better. But I just really don't see it. I don't. I think a lot of them are calling for eight, nine, ten wins for Boston College this season, and I think they're going to be lucky to make a bowl game. To be honest with you, I, I wanted to beat Virginia Tech, but secretly I'm cheering for UConn. But I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, chaos. Let it rain. Come on. Uh, <laughs> that that then then I'd like to see their their podcast after. This is a bad loss. That, oh, yeah, that might be a bad one, buddy. Yeah. 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 Uh, thanks, Marozzi, for, for joining yeah, us. Next up, we got Rob. Rob, what's going on? Rob, can you hear us? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What's going on, man? Uh, looks like you're muted. Rob. Okay, I'm off now. All right, two points <laughs> I have. We were at the game Saturday. It was a blast coming back and winning like that. But we saw Taj Harris sprint into the locker room right after the game, not even celebrate with the team. Wow. I, I thought that was interesting. Didn't even 
headed right into the locker room. And right there, even my wow. dad looked at me and he's like, "He, ain't, he something's a matter. He ain't coming back." So it's, a little bit of an Antonio Brown situation. Yeah, there. like we were, you know, obviously we sat on the Rutgers side. I mean, during the game, you could tell he was heated. And then after that, my dad said to me, he's like, I guarantee he doesn't come back. But, uh, uh, you know, Boston was a great time. It was awesome. But I, I got to say, I mean, for three quarters of that game, I mean, as a Rutgers fan, that offense was just – and I understand they want to play the two-quarterback system. Gavin's young. I get it. You know, Simon didn't play bad. I question, though, how Gleason and Shiano – and I understand Noah got hurt. But how you went into this season – Without trying to bring in a transfer quarterback just for one year, I th- this passing game scares me as we as we're going to play the Big Ten schedule. I, I just get nervous of these Big Ten teams are going to load the box, and you know th- these are some big boy defensive lines. I you know not not to be negative, but I just I just question that you know we didn't bring in a transfer quarterback to help the pass. I think it's kind of a lose-lose with the transfer quarterback situation because it's e- it, I, I know this sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I think it's easy to find a starter in the portal, but it's really hard to find guys who are willing to come in and compete for a job. So you have, if, if say we took a, a guy who was a starter at, let's just throw a school out here, Middle Tennessee State last year. He threw for 3,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, right? He was a quality uh, group of five starter. He comes in, that probably pushes out an Evan Simon. Noah probably wasn't going anywhere. Wimsat wasn't probably going anywhere. But let's say that guy wins the job. It disgruntles Wimsat. This middle Tennessee state quarterback leaves. We got Noah who leaves. And then we're left starting from the portal game again. We have to recruit the high-level guy. I think it's, it's a very delicate situation to recruit quarterbacks in the transfer portal. And so I don't really fault them there, but I, I agree. If, if the quarterback ends up holding this team back significantly this year, you kind of have to question it. But I think we kind of have to give it time to see if these guys can develop into starters at the moment. Nah, fair point. I mean, listen, I don't want to be negative. I mean, the win was awesome. I mean, it's great to see the offensive line play like that at the end and, you know, just take their manhood and push them around. <laughs> but I, I, I thought the defense played fantastic. I'd say Powell's some linebacker. I mean, what a player he is. I think he's going to be really good going forward. Yeah, no, Powell is a uh, – he's kind of like that new age, like hybrid linebacker. And I, 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 I'm comparing him to somebody that he's not at the moment. But you, you look at a guy like Isaiah Simmons, what he was for Clemson's defense, where he's just like super-sized, super-athletic linebacker who also can do well in coverage. And I think he's a bit of a light version of him in terms of potential. Oh, definitely perfect example. Enjoy the show. All right, thanks, Rob. Next up, we got Unk. What's going on, Unk? Unk, can you hear us? Yeah, sorry about that. I was on mute. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on. So, quick, uh, quick two-part question here um, about mainly about the defense here. So, our defense played really, really well. Um, obviously, we did a great job containing, stopping the run. I think first half or total, they had only, I want to say, close to 50 or 60 yards, somewhere around that range. So my question is, um, we saw at times, you know, obviously with uh, Jennings going out on kick return and – or excuse me, yeah, kick return or kickoff and getting hurt. And uh, Austin Dean and Jameer Wright Collins getting some reps briefly – and um, to kind of piggyback off of that, you know, before we had kind of taken over the front seven on defense and started really getting to Phil um, and getting in his head, 
our secondary did not look the best. Uh, you know, Takis was eating us up up the middle and, you know, on these out kind of deep out routes and deep corners. And Zay Flowers was, you know, really kind of taking Max Melton to school at one point, um, you know, in single coverage. So I guess my question, you know, moving forward, you know, when we play games against, you know, a team like in Iowa that, you know, we may be able to load the box and kind of shut down the run game and, you know, they're not going to be able to throw for 500 yards on us. At what point, you know, do you get concerned that, you know, our secondary may not be able to hang with some of these, you know, top end receiver classes that we're going to see, um, you know, just based off what we saw in the first half with with BC? And, you know, I guess how much does a linebacker depth play a part in that as well? You know, covering tight ends and, you know, different types of formations within the slot. Uh, Craig, you want to take this one? Yeah, I mean, just I, first off, with the defensive line, if your defensive line plays like that every week, you're at the very least going to be in just about every game. Maybe not like Ohio State, Michigan, because those are juggernauts, but you're going to be involved in every game until probably the end. So if you defend, so that's first the defensive line. Uh, Zay Flowers, that dude is really good. So I mean, Max Melton is supposed to be really good too. So I know nothing. To, I don't want to, you know, but he's very good. I think Max Melton against. Most most uh, receivers will, I think, uh, dominate. Just Zay Flowers is just a really special receiver. I think he's going to play at the next level one day. So he was really good. Uh, it was discouraging to see the tight end was kind of feasting up in the middle. That's where I, I thought the, I thought the linebackers had a better day than I thought they were going to. I thought Tareem was all over the place. I thought Deion Jennings was really good all over the place. But they were kind of getting uh, eaten up over the middle a bunch. But like I said, defensive like if your defensive line continues to play like that every week, because they really looked they looked fresh. That's that's the thing that looked uh, very encouraging to me was the fact that last season it kind of felt like the defensive line was kind of just holding on until the offense finally started to do something, and sometimes and it didn't it didn't happen. But this was a four quarters of just really really good pressure, and if your defensive line can do that week in and week out, then you're like Chiano always preaches. Go into the fourth quarter with a chance to win, and then anything can happen. So, if, like, yeah, if the defensive line can do that week in, week out, then the Rutgers is going to have a chance week in and week out. Yeah, to, to kind of piggyback on that, I think Max obviously has to play better because he's going to be matched up on the number one receiver, uh, ideally, uh, in Big Ten play and through the rest of the season. I think, like like Chris Craig alluded to, uh, Zay is just one of the best receivers in college football. Not that he'll be drafted in the first round, but he is one of the best receivers. He's been he's been at BC now for I think four years. He's been a standout player every year. He's been there. Um, so it's tough to really judge if if Max just kind of got beat by a small shifty guy, and that's not really his specialty, or if the scheme wasn't necessarily great for defending him because his Zay's second touchdown was just kind of a clear out for him. So there was like three or four verts, and he was just able to sweep across the middle of the field and take it in untouched. So that one, I don't know if they were playing in zone or if they were playing man-to-man on that play. but um, Yeah, and that I first think the more- touchdown, I would say that first touchdown, that was – I thought Max had good coverage on that first touchdown. From he Zay. did. He, he got his arm in there. Got, he somehow just Zay a- just caught it underneath him. Uh, that was crazy. I mean, the, he wasn't – like the ball was like coming down and somehow he fought, found it. I don't know. That was just crazy, crazy catch by Zay Flowers. So. Yeah, I think the more concerning thing, though, is – the, the linebacker coverage portion because Takis was just eating up the middle of the field all day. Mm-hmm. The first catch he had for like the, I think it was like a 25 or 30 yard gain. That was just a perfect throw by Djurkovic. Um, it was just right over the, the outstretched arm of, I think Deion Jennings. Now, obviously Deion Jennings struggled a bit um, at points 
there was a play, I think, uh, I I think it was like second and 10 or first and 10 from like the three yard line. It was, it was the punt after uh, we, we got uh, second and goal from the eight and it ended up being a punt from the 43 at fourth and goal um, where uh, Jennings kind of collapsed in on like the a gap and Garwo bounced it outside and nobody else is there. So I don't know if that was necessarily on him or not because he did fill the gap, but he just wasn't fast enough to get to Garwo before he bounced it outside. But in coverage, he, he definitely was kind of getting burned by Takis. Um, so I think they're kind of kind of have to compensate for that by playing more three safety looks with, with Dev, Dez, uh, Avery Young, and uh, Christian Izian, where Iz- I thought Izian played a fantastic game on Saturday too, getting in in the run game, getting involved in the run game a lot. Um, but I think they're going to have to get a little more creative with their coverage in those situations. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, the more concerning part about what I saw was not necessarily the performance of how we played, more or less moving forward from that point because you know we we think about it right as good as Jennings played um which he did play a really good game obviously Powell played a good game there's going to be opportunity or I guess you know in in the same sense um it you know issues where if we do lose the Jennings or Powell for a down or a series you know getting into these teams late in the season that do have that run game where then they can kind of adapt into the RPO or play action like a Penn State or like you know you get into obviously the Ohio States and the Michigan States you know, you're risking putting Austin Dean in coverage on potentially one of their best receivers or, you know, a six six tight end. So I think that's more or less where the concern's at is that just moving forward, we need to kind of evaluate where our depth's at. And then when we do get like I think for example, I saw Dean, um, I wanna say it was Takis caught like a thirty yard or th- or like a thirty or forty yard kind of out on uh Dean his first play in coverage and he just got smoked. And not to say that he's not a good player, but you know, him versus, you know, a, a six six five star from Ohio State or Michigan State late in the season when they're getting their run game going, it just scares me a little bit with especially how our secondary was playing early on. So Yeah, and I think just I think honestly I was just gonna talk about just something important to keep in mind is that this was week one. So these guys, the linebackers, everybody's going to get more and more reps, so we'll, they'll we'll, they'll get, I guess, more acclimated with what they're doing. And now, now there's now there's tape on these guys, so it's important, I think, not to get too high or too low. Because, like I said, this is week one. Now the Rutgers tape is out there. The, you know, the Nebraska tape. They played two games now, so the Nebraska tape is out there. The Boston College tape is out there. So now teams teams are going to look at it. They're going to see what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And it's going to be all about, you know, it's going to be about doing, being good more than you're not, more than not. So it's just, you know, it's like I said, it's important not to get too high or too low. And that's, that's, that's called. Did Wright, did Wright Collins get many reps? Did, did we see that? I, I didn't actually pay attention too, too much to that. Did he get many reps on Saturday? I don't think so. I didn't, I mean, I, if he did, I didn't hear his name too many, too many times, but I don't think he played very much. So it just sounded like it was mainly a, uh, a Jennings uh, Powell thing, which is I think Rutgers is going to run most of the time. Of probably a five-two-four, that's probably going to be their main defensive, uh, main defensive kind of way they're going to do it. So yeah, that's going to be Rutgers' thing, I think. And like I said, the, now the tape is out there. Teams are going to look. What does Rutgers do well? What does Rutgers do not so well? And then Rutgers is going to have to acclimate. I think Powell yeah. staying healthy will be uh, one of the most important parts to our defense being good all year. Obviously, yeah. speaking for itself. Yep. Totally agree. The yep. top two guys, we have basically no depth underneath them. That's proven at least. We have 
the Canadian kid who's a true freshman, uh, Dariel Djembe, I believe his name is. Jimmy Wright Collins played two snaps on uh, Saturday. I don't know if they were on special teams or if he played on defense, but I'm just looking through the the, uh, the article on the site about the, the PFF grades and snap counts. It's pretty uh, – it's not a rosy picture when you look at the snap counts. So Tareem Powell had 64 snaps, Deion Jennings 59. Austin Need had seven snaps. Jimmy Wright Collins had two. That's the entire – uh, linebacking core as it's listed on here, but I know I saw Jembe on, um, on what's it called on special teams. So maybe this isn't including special team snaps. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a huge concern for me moving forward because if we do lose Tyreen Powell, I, I agree. It's probably the, other than maybe losing, uh, a guy like it, it'd be as big as losing a guy like Dorenzo or losing Corsac or losing a guy like Max Melton, uh, it'd be a massive loss, and it, I, I, it might be the biggest single. He might be the most impactful guy on the team right now, honestly, given the, the lack of depth underneath him. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no problem. Uh, of course, thanks for joining. Uh, anybody else who'd like to join, obviously, feel free to request. Even if you've spoken already, um, I did want to kind of discuss uh, the, the Taj Harris news doesn't seem like there's a solid reasoning behind him leaving. Uh, I, I did see some posts of people saying that there did seem to be some kind of incident between him and Chiano, not necessarily like a screaming match, but Chiano was talking to him for a while, slammed his equipment down from what one of the, the people who were, was on earlier, I forget who it was, said uh, he ran right off the field uh, into the locker room after the win. Um, he was the only guy who did that. So obviously something happened there. It's obviously – I mean, I don't want to speculate too much. He left Syracuse in the middle of the season. Um, a lot of their fans were kind of saying, wait till, you know, he's actually there and blah, blah, blah. I, again, who knows what actually happened? I hope we see him back. He's got at least two weeks where he's probably not needed to win, mm-hmm. but it'd be great to get him back by Iowa. But I don't even know if the coaching staff would welcome him back at this point. If I don't know what he did to even – decide to leave. So again, speculation on speculation here. Yeah. I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate where who's to say that maybe, you know, something is going on personally. And that's what kind of bled into the game. I mean, mentally, you know, who knows? I I mean, like I said, uh, whatever it is, if it is something personal, I really wish him nothing but the best. And I really hope, really hope he comes back because they might not need him now, but down the stretch, you know, whether it be, just the teams that are playing, or I mean, I hate to say it, but injuries are is going to happen at some point. So there, it's definitely he's definitely going to be a useful piece down the stretch if he can come if if and when he comes back. Absolutely, I want to highlight a few guys who I thought also really stood out to me who haven't we haven't really talked about yet. First one is Christian Braswell. He uh, he was fantastic on Saturday. He had the highest PFF grade of anyone on the defense. He had that huge interception. He had the first pick on. Uh, Bill Jerkovich, where he backpedaled and caught a ball as he was falling backwards over his head. Um, he was a guy at Temple who got involved in a lot of uh, passes. He was breaking up passes, intercepting balls left and right. Uh, it was a shame that we didn't get to see him last year because he had a knee injury, but he came back and he looks fully healthy, and he, he looks like he'll be a big part of the secondary this year. Uh, Craig, was there anybody that really stood out to you that we haven't really touched on yet from this past game? Uh, I guess, well, if you want to, I'll talk a little about the corners. The corners, I thought, were, I mean, Max Melton, yeah, he, he did get burned a little bit from Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers, like I said, is really good. So, Max, but I, I'm not too concerned with Max Melton. I think he's going to be all right. He's 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 just really talented. But this cornerback, this, their DB is all right. This is as talented as I can, re- maybe since 
maybe since 2012. I mean, this this the cornerbacks are, I think, really good. Got Braswell back. He looked really good. Longer beam had that big inter- had that interception in the fourth quarter. He looked, I thought, really good. Kasan uh, Abraham looked really good. So yeah, I mean, Rutgers to me is loaded at DB. So I'm I'm really I'm really I'm really interested in I'm really high on seeing what those guys can produce even more. And just trying to think of some more. Oh, you know, you know who I thought had a real oh two guys I guess Manangai had a real good game I thought. I mean, yep. he was kind of the, he was kind of the the bell cow for them. I mean, he kind of he did most of that. That ninety six yard drive was mostly him. So that was really good to see. He looks like he the good thing about him is that he never seems to go down on first contact. He might be a small yeah. guy. But man, he is strong. He does not go down on first contact. A lot; his legs are always churning, which to me, as a, having a running back like that, is just really, really key, very helpful. And I liked, I liked what I saw from Salam. I thought he looked really well, considering this was, considering this was basically his first game. I mean, so I really liked what I saw from him. He scored the go-ahead touchdown, so he kind of got a one-two punch there. Uh, Samuel Brown, you know, this was his first game, so it didn't produce too, didn't produce much. But I really think, I think he's going to be a good player. So yeah, I mean, those are those are two position groups. I think Rutgers has a very, very good, very good future in his DB and running back. Absolutely, and another guy who's coming back from a serious knee injury was Aaron Crookshank last year. Mm-hmm. He looked just as explosive as he did before the injury. Uh, that end around, I thought, was one of the best designed plays that that Gleason put out there all day that reversed back to him, cutting the opposite way, um, scoring on that 26-yard touchdown. Uh, he looked like he hadn't missed a step, which is going to be great because he's one of the few uh, offensive threats we have which are true like kind of game-breakers for us. So glad to see he's back at full strength. Um, I do think you mentioned a guy, Nashidi Salam, who he really impressed me in the spring game. I wasn't, I, We didn't really hear a ton about him through training camp, uh, but he was – in his limited snaps, really impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only had five carries, but he really made them all count. Uh, he had five carries for 53 yards in that clinching touchdown. Um, there's one other – Wesley Bailey. I mean, he was a guy yeah. that a lot yeah. of us predicted to lead the team in sacks, and he was just – as the game went on, he got more and more disruptive, and I thought he just kind of put the team on his back on that final drive and put, created a lot of pressure and picked up a sack and a half on that critical uh, last – second to last drive for Boston College. Um, but I also kind of want to talk about the schedule uh, upcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we obviously have uh, Wagner. We have – and anyone who wants to talk, feel free to request. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to keep going with this. Uh, we have Wagner and Temple. We should be 3-0. If we can shut down – if we can – Find a way to move the ball against Iowa. I think that's a winnable game. That's because... going to be a, to me. I think that's going to be a very, very good measuring stick. Assuming Rutgers goes starts three and out, I think that's going to be a very good measuring stick because Iowa. Yeah, they might not have a great de- a great offense, but they, you saw that defense looks really good, and you know they're going to be coming in with one goal in mind: stop the run game. So yep. assuming that the Rutgers run, if Rutgers can't get the run game going. Whether it's Noah coming back, whether it's Gavin, whether it's Evan, Johnny, uh, your mom, my dad, who 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 <laughs> who, who knows at this point? But um, yep. I mean, yeah, that's going to be a very good measuring stick, and I think Rutgers' passing game and the the passing protection and the passing game is going to be something that I think is going to be tested in that game. And if Rutgers can answer the bell and you know, dare I say, start out four and zero, then then things will start to get very interesting. 
Yeah, it'll get interesting for a little while, but that undefeated streak will probably end pretty quickly in Columbus. Yeah. But they would come back <laughs> on a short week to play uh, possibly a, uh, a captainless ship in Nebraska because I believe uh, <laughs> I believe Scott Frost's contract, his buyout drastically reduces October 1st, and mm-hmm. Rutgers plays them the following week. Uh, and that'll be a crazy environment if things are – if we're 4-0 going into that Nebraska game on Friday night, that's going to be like a – it's going to be like a, you know, 2006 to, to, to 2009, like, environment on those, those classic Big East Thursday night matchups. Like, that'll be one of the loudest, I think, uh, experiences any of us will have seen at SHI Stadium. And then we'll have a bye followed up by a game against Indiana, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I'm missing a game here. Uh, I think I am missing a game. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> no, I'm not. So then we'll, okay. yeah. So it'll be followed up with Indiana and then Minnesota. I, I mean, guys, I'm, I'm getting over my skis here a bit, admittedly, but this, I'm having a hard time not telling myself we're going to get the six wins somehow. Listen, listen, because... I'll, 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 I'll play it. I think you're getting a little ahead of yourself. I'll be honest. Okay, I'll be the guy to say it. It was we, like I said, it was week one. There's the, you know, there was no tape out there to look at. Boston College, you know, wasn't wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. You know, it was to me. It was you know, maybe that maybe they thought it was going to be a blowout, but to me that was kind of. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be a blowout. I thought this was. I thought this was kind of destined to be a, at least a pretty close game. But you know, like I said, it's week one. Let's, let's kind of calm the jets a little bit. Let's just beat. I'm assuming, like I said, that you can assume they beat Wagner. You can assume it beat Temple. But I'm saying, telling you, don't assume. Don't just write down Iowa as a win because, like I said, they're going to test that defense. Is that defense is good? I like. They're not going to. I mean, I hate to tell you, they're not going to beat Ohio State. I know you. I mean, if they beat Ohio State, then you can might be able to uh, start thinking about college football playoffs. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, but <laughs> but. Uh, no, but like I said, week one, let's kind of cool the Jets a little bit. I know it was a great game. I know it was a great win, but let's kind of just calm the Jets a little bit. Like I said, the Iowa game is going to be a great measuring stick game. If you can beat Iowa, start at 4-0, then you can start – then the wheels can start to be into motion because I'll be honest. I'll, I'll raise my hand. I'll say it. I had the prediction of them going 4-8, but like I said, it's a, predictions, are, predictions before the season are one thing. Everything changes once the teams start playing. So I'll, I'll I'll remain flexible. I'll see how Nebraska looks when they're coming in. Obviously, I'm going to see how Rutgers looks every week. But I'm going to see how Nebraska looks coming in. Let's see how Iowa looks. Let's see how Minnesota looks. There's a lot of there's a lot of ifs. So we'll, we'll see we'll see how the season goes. So I'm just you can, I'm not going to say don't be excited, but let's kind of just pull the Jets all, at least a little bit here. Yeah. No, I I don't view the the ESPN FPI the football power index thing with too, too much uh, sincerity, but those numbers have drastically shifted after one week. Like Temple at this point, we have an 86% chance of winning according to the FBI. Iowa, Rutgers has a 48% chance of winning. I know that was probably half that before last week. Um, Nebraska, we have a 44% chance of winning according to this. Uh, Indiana, we have a 60% chance of winning. All those numbers have shifted drastically in one week. And I think, Again, I don't know all the metrics they use to, to actually come up with these numbers, but obviously it's not a bad thing to, to see our, ourselves trending in the right direction. doesn't mean shit if you don't show up, but yeah, again. Like said, uh, hey, let's just, like I said, let's keep in mind, those odds shifted a lot after one week. That doesn't mean they can't shift the other way after one week. So 
let's kind of just let's cool the jets at least a little bit here <laughs> absolutely all right uh last chance for anyone who wants to speak otherwise i think we're gonna close this up uh, i want to thank everyone for coming on and kind of joining us for our, our first run through with this if actually everybody... I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off but actually i was going to mention i almost forgot i saw a little bit, I guess, the recruiting news. Rutgers got a uh, commitment from Jake El- Eldridge, who, from what I'm reading, is one of the top long snappers. You know, so there you go. There's some some recruiting news. I saw you post this what two hours ago. So yeah, there you uh, go. Rutger, Rutgers, uh, Rutgers, I think it's Rutgers' legacy of long snapper seems to continue with you know this guy Clark Harris. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a little concerning for me that we're taking another scholarship long snapper two years <laughs> after we took one, um, especially one who is, you know, seen as like a kind of plug and play starter. So I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what's, what's going on there. Um, but yeah, we got a, a long snapper from IMG. He's supposed to be pretty good. I mean, I guess we'll see when he gets here. I mean, a long snapper is about the most uh, <laughs> invisible position on the field. You only really <laughs> notice him if they totally botch something. Um so yeah, we picked up a commitment today. I don't really have much to say. Uh, cool. He's a really good <laughs> he's a long snapper. snapper. Yeah, he's, he's a really good. good. He snaps the yeah. hell out of that ball. Um, fashions. But it looks like we don't have anybody else coming on or anybody else requesting. So again, everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, huge win for Rutgers this past weekend. We will, <laughs> we will see you guys. Uh, Later this week, I'm sure we'll do another pod preparing us for the Wagner game, kind of things to maybe look out for. Uh, I don't really expect it to be a close game, but I hope there's no injuries. I hope we're able to kind of see a little clearer picture of the quarterback battle after this following week. I I think the game will be a bit disappointing if we don't see that, if we don't have a little bit of, okay, Evan Simon was, you know, 11 for 14 for 244 yards and three touchdowns. Hmm. And I I just want to see progress. That's all we got to see in these next two games. Because, as Greg said, there was he had a notebook filled with uh, things that were mistakes from this past weekend. There's no possible way you can fix them in one week. So you just have to kind of continue to improve as a team. And I hope we continue to see that. But again, everybody, thanks for joining us. For Craig and I, this has been yeah, thanks, our, our first edition of the, the Night Report podcast Twitter space. And we're signing off. See you guys later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.